questions about whether the president of the United States tried to obstruct justice, Donald Trump calls the bombshell book about the White House phony and full of lies, lies, and Steve Bannon gets a new nickname. This is the State of America Tonight. This is potentially more evidence that the president was obstructing justice. The Times is reporting that the president ordered a White House lawyer to stop Attorney General Sessions from recusing himself. When he decided, in fact, to recuse himself, the president was furious. After reading this story, my view of Don McGahn is that he's a cancer. Nothing, nothing, nothing should ever interfere with the Mueller investigation. Fire and fury hit the bookstores four days early. I absolutely absolutely spoke to the president, whether he realized it was an interview or not, um, I, I don't know. Malika Henderson live in New York and for Kate Baldwin to our viewers watching around the world this is State of America tonight. Ah it's Friday finally the day when so many of us look forward to leaving a long long week behind and we're guessing that the president President Trump is hoping to do the same as he heads to Camp David to huddle with top Republican leaders. I'm going over with the senators we're going to Camp David we have a lot of things to work on, a lot of things to accomplish. That meeting comes as a, as a White House is very much in turmoil and now facing yet another controversy. CNN has learned that White House counsel Don McGahn, the president's top legal advisor, approached Jeff Sessions and tried to dissuade the attorney general from recusing himself from the Russia investigation. A reporter with the New York Times, which initially broke this story, offered this insight into why the president made this request. The idea that... Uh McGahn would go do this uh, knowing that this was potentially problematic is striking. When the president was told that uh, Sessions was still going to recuse himself, um, the president was very angry, um, fumed that he needed to be personally protected. A former federal prosecutor, prosecutor tells CNN that while this action may not amount to a crime, it could be uh, a bolster, a boost to Robert Mueller's special counsel probe. When you look at the pattern of, of behavior, whether it is firing James Comey for conducting this investigation, whether it is telling Lester Holt, telling the Russian visitors that he fired James Comey because of the Russia investigation, all of it adds up to the potential for a charge of obstruction of justice against the president. And the Times reporting today is another brick in that wall. Now, for the man who used to run the Office of Government Ethics, this news was quite disturbing. While I was on the phone talking to Department of Justice officials telling them that Jeff Sessions had no choice but to recuse in order to resolve a criminal conflict of interest, we now learn that Don McGahn was pressuring Jeff Sessions on behalf of the president to do just the opposite. And the Times also revealed stunning moves reportedly taken against fired FBI Director James Comey. This from that Times story, two days after Mr. Comey's testimony, an aide to Mr. Sessions approached a Capitol Hill staff member asking whether the staffer had any derogatory information about the FBI director. The attorney general wanted one negative article a day in the news media about Mr. Comey. Now, one 
CNN legal analyst says that revelation is at odds with the White House's story for Comey's ouster. One of the reasons why the White House sort of put forward their as justification for firing Jim Comey was that he had lost public confidence, lost confidence in the bureau. Now we see that actually they were secretly working to undermine that very confidence. Here's something else the president would also love to leave behind. That book, Fire and Fury, the publisher of the bombshell book, defied a cease and desist order from the president's attorney, putting it on sale at midnight, uh, and this was four days before it was supposed to go on sale. Dozens lined up at this Washington bookstore uh, to get their hands on a copy. Now, for his part, the president is simply doubling down on his criticism of the book, and its author, Michael Wolff, tweeting this last night, I authorized Z Zero access to White House actually turned him down many times for author of phony book. I never spoke to him for book full of lies, misrepresentations and sources that don't exist. Look at this guy's past and watch what happens to him and Sloppy Steve. We'll get to that new nickname, Sloppy Steve, in a minute. But first, White House press secretary backed up her boss's claims uh, yesterday in that press briefing. We said they spoke once by the phone for a few minutes, but it wasn't about the book. They had a very short conversation, but he never interviewed the president about the book. You probably probably noticed a bit of a theme here, the White House going to great lengths to point out that Wolf wasn't allowed in the White House and didn't interview the president about this particular book. Now, here's how Wolf responded this morning on NBC. I absolutely spoke to the president, whether he realized it was an interview or not. Um, I, I don't know, but it certainly was not off the record. I work like every journalist works. So I have recordings, I have notes. Um, I am certainly in absolutely in every way comfortable with everything I've reported in this book. Would you Wolf also addressed one of the more shocking claims in his book. One of the overarching themes is that, according to your reporting, everyone around the president, senior advisors, family members, every single one of them questions his intelligence and fitness for office. Let me, let me put, a, put a, a marker in the, in the sand here. 100 percent of the people around him. One of the people who used to be around the president all the time and who's also a central figure uh, in this book, Fire and Fury, and who the White House would also love to leave behind, you guessed it, Stephen K. Bannon. But while the White House may not be able to shake him off exactly, one wealthy Republican donor very much is shaking him off, and that's Rebecca Mercer. She owns a share in Breitbart and has provided cash for other conservative projects. And she's also somebody who rarely speaks publicly. But now she's coming out in a new statement. She says that her family backs the president. She's choosing sides here uh, and that they don't support Bannon's recent comments uh, in response to that, President Trump again tweeted out his new favorite insult, tweeting that the Mercer family recently dumped the leaker known as Sloppy Steve Bannon Smart. And the Mercers may not be the only ones. Uh, sources tell CNN that the pressure to oust Bannon from the Breitbart website is also growing. And this is a topic that was raised yesterday uh, during Thursday's White House briefing. Should Breitbart part ways with Steve Bannon after the comments in his book? Uh, I certainly think um, that it's something they should look at and consider. 
Time will tell if after this week, Steve Bannon will wish that maybe he'd left behind that opportunity to speak to Michael Wolff for that book, Fire and Fury. Uh, the tell-all book uh, that Trump tried to block is now, it's basically flying off of shelves uh, with interest so high that some even lined up for its release at midnight, like it was a new Apple product or uh, a Star Wars movie. We've got CNN's Jeremy Diamond here, who's joining us from the White House. Jeremy, how is the White House responding to this? This is day one when this is a book that the public can get. What is the re uh, White House's reaction? Well, there's been a lot of pushback, obviously, from the White House on this front. Uh, you know, the, the White House has made every attempt possible to either discredit uh, what's in the book or try and stop its publication even. That's uh, the president's attorney sending those cease and desist letters to the book's author, the book's publisher, uh, and also threatening lawsuits against Steve Bannon. Of course, we don't necessarily expect the president to follow through on those. He does have a pretty strong track record of threatening lawsuits and not following through. But the mood at the White House today, as the president just left a few moments ago uh, for Camp David is one hopefully where people are kind of expecting or hoping at least that this can kind of blow over now that we can move on to the next news cycle. Uh, you know, the, the White House has had to devote a lot of energy to pushing back on this uh, and they'd obviously like to start turning uh, the attentions elsewhere. Uh, you know, the president this weekend will be huddling with Republican members of Congress, uh, the leadership on Capitol Hill to discuss the coming legislative agenda. What will come first, infrastructure uh, or perhaps welfare reform? Those are kind of the big questions this weekend. But behind it all, there's, of course, always that fear from White House officials that you never quite know what the president is going to tweet or going to say to drive the, direct, the, the agenda in one direction or the other. But certainly White House officials hoping that the president this weekend will focus on his meeting with Republican leaders uh, to move forward and prepare for that 2018 agenda. Nia? Jeremy Diamond, thank you so much. That's always an open question. Can the president stay on message? Coming up next, new information renews the question, did President Trump obstruct justice? Compelling evidence is now in the hands of special counsel Robert Mueller. Another brick may have been laid in building a case for obstruction of justice against President Donald Trump. A source close to Attorney General Jeff Sessions tells CNN that White House counsel Don McGahn tried to dissuade Sessions from recusing himself from the Russia investigation. Uh, the panel tonight, and we're going to bring them in now, Joe Borelli, Republican New York City Councilman, Jake McAbee, former Obama administration official and former Hillary Clinton campaign policy advisor, Patrick Healy, CNN political analyst and deputy culture editor for the New York Times and Rich Galen, Republican strategist. Yes. Thank you yes. all for being <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's a very uh, straightforward title for you, Rich. I'm going to go to you on this, Patrick. Uh, this story, you guys broke the story of the New York Times and, and we corroborated uh, as a number of other outlets have. Why is this a significant development in this investigation? This idea that Sessions uh, was pressured by McGahn at the behest of President Trump. Right. I think both Democrats and Republicans have been wondering for months whether Robert Mueller could build a strong obstruction of justice case, possibly against 
President Trump or people around President Trump. There's been so much focus on collusion and the Russian investigation, and President Trump's been very invested in the idea uh, that it can be proven that he himself never colluded with Russians, that essentially he would um, get off, you know, in terms of this investigation, one that he sees as fabricated. But what my Times colleagues have shown is that uh, Jeff Sessions, you know, the Attorney General, went and and uh, Don McGahn, excuse me, Don McGahn, the White House counsel, was was making a, it seemed like a very concerted effort to try to get the Justice Department, you know, to essentially uh, <laughs> to essentially lay off uh, Donald Trump and members of the administration. I mean, it, it, essentially that's where it was. That's where it was going. So the degree to which obstruction of justice is something that Mueller might be looking at. You know, now there there is certainly at least uh, some evidence out there that you know that there may be something there. And Joe, what's your response to this story? We've known for some time that this is a president who hasn't been pleased with Jeff Sessions. Well, sure, sure. And, and disappointed that he refused himself. Let's let's rewind to the conversations that were happening on this table exactly one year ago. You know, to the, to the day almost when Jeff Sessions was named as the, uh, the the Attorney General, and there was actually a discussion and a debate on whether he would recuse himself from the investigation. There was actually an open conversation about basically the statute requires people in a criminal prosecution if they're involved to recuse themselves. As late as March, Comey was saying that this is a counterintelligence investigation. So there's no requirement that he do so. And we were talking about this. So why would it be odd, why would it be scandalous when the attorney general is seeking uh, a diverse set of opinions on whether he should do this, and he got one from the White House? Jake, your sense here. I don't think he agrees. What happened? <laughs> right, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't agree. Um, no, and one of the things that was happening around the same time, if we're talking about a year ago, is that Donald Trump stood up and said that the Attorney General of the United States uh, is here to protect and serve the, the people of the United States and not any one individual person. So he should know as well as anybody that uh, the Attorney General is not there to protect him. Um, and and it, this wasn't a case of uh, of... Jeff Sessions going around asking people if he should recuse himself. This is a matter of uh, the President of the United States going to the White House Counsel and saying, please convince this person uh, that he needs to stay and protect me. And that's a different conversation altogether. And what do you think, Rich, this means for Jeff Sessions, who has always seemed to be on thin ice with this president? Well, I, I don't think he would have been gone if the president, the president has plenty of reasons to can him based upon you know what he thinks Sessions' job was. Let me go back to the other question, though. I didn't think there was anything wrong with sending McGahn to try to convince Sessions not to recuse himself until it was pointed out to me that the relationship between the White House and the Justice Department, by tradition, if not rule, goes through the White House counsel. That the president doesn't call the secretary, the uh, the attorney general. This White House staff doesn't chat up the the FBI director. Those those relationships go through the White House counsel's office. And when you look at it through that lens, then it sounds like it's inappropriate to me to have done that. And Jake, you worked for two attorneys general, Holder, uh, as well as Lynch. One of the things you hear Donald Trump saying is that he wishes that his own attorney general acted more like Holder and Lynch in, re in their relationship to, to Donald Trump and protected him. What do you, I mean, is that how you saw Holder protecting and sort of running interference for for the president? No, I mean, that's that's just garbage. I mean, the idea the idea that uh, 
that Attorney General Holder uh, saw or Attorney General Lynch saw their role as anything other than to uh, protect and serve the people of the United States is is ridiculous. It seems that Donald Trump, that the President of the United States is as on this as on so many other matters, he seems to be constructing these uh, memories based upon sort of half-remembered things that he heard on Fox News, and it's just not accurate. It's not how it, and it's not how it is. I don't watch also, Fox News, and I and I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, but it also goes to the president's mindset on these, where he sees everyone around him. He did for decades. It's essentially hired guns. You know, when he ran his own company, these were people who worked for him. Loyalty was incredibly important. And then he gets into the government and he finds that James Comey, you know, he, he works for the Justice Department, but he expects James Comey to essentially, it seems, you know, do a lot of his bidding. And, and in this case, too, the sense of like that the attorney general is my lawyer and that the. It should and be like this, Roy Cohn. Right, exactly. You know, said, who right? was, you know, who was President Trump's, you know, personal lawyer for many years and who was, you know, he was he was an infighter of the first well, order. Part of what, what, um, Wolf says, at least in the early part of the book that I've actually read so far, uh, is that nobody around the president had any experience in the White House and the federal government. Uh, Kellyanne uh, was did, did right. work for news. We're going to talk yeah. about right. the more in the, in yeah. the panel, uh, the next panel. I, I want to ask you, Joe. Some conservative Republicans, too, at least on the on the in the House, are calling on Sessions to resign. Democrats are sort of torn well, yeah, about I mean, that. You know, What's you your have, uh, should he resign? You know, Jim Jordan out there yeah, calling for resignation, but but not for for this issue. Uh, for sort of the the uh, the fact that the Trump Justice Department is behaving the same way as their criticisms of the Obama administration, where they're stonewalling some of the documents that they are required to hand over to the Congress. And in that respect, I, I don't disagree with them at so all. So you think he should resign? In, in that respect, I think that they're right in saying that the, the, the we thought differently of how the Trump Justice Department would act with respect yeah, to the Republican it's, Congress. It's attorney work, essentially attorney work product. It's, it's, it's investigatory work product. It's not, it's not for publication. And by the way, they just don't trust them. Right. Uh, we'll wrap there on Sessions. Uh, coming up, the author of the explosive new book about Trump's first year in office defends his work. He says he stands by everything, and it's backed up by notes and recordings. I, our panel will weigh in next. you the one description that that everyone gave everyone has in common they all say he is like a child and what they mean by that is he has an, a need for immediate gratification it's all about him that was the author of the eye-opening new book, Fire and Fury, there on NBC this morning, detailing what he says those around Donald Trump really think of the president. He also is pushing back against Trump's claim that his work is phony and full of lies. And he said that the president is perhaps the least credible person to ever walk the earth. Those are some big words, a big claim there. Um, we'll get back to the panel here. We've got the book here. It was very hard to secure. but uh, And I understand, Rich, you have started to read it. What is on your Kindle? It's an, uh, on your, your iPhone. iPhone there. What, if, what do you make so far of what well, you it's, 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 it, There's a lot of detail. I mean, I'm only 40 pages you in. You called it dense in the break. Yeah, it, it's very dense. And so I'm not sure how long people... It's, I, re, I remember Shattered, that, that was a wonderful book, but I felt the same way about that. It was, for political prose, it was just fascinating to get the ins and outs of who was, who was trying to stab who in the back 
in the Clinton campaign, but after a while, you just go, oh, jeez. <laughs> Maybe all the best parts have already been released. It's like, it's like watching a, the trailers for a comedy. When you go to see the movie, all the funny bits were already in the ads. <laughs> Patrick, as a journalist, what do you think? I mean, because part of the primary criticism is that his journalism is sloppy. Right. I mean, the, there's, there, there are facts that are wrong here. The fact-checking that went on, it seemed like this book was very much sort of rushed through in terms of he was focusing first on the first hundred days, and then he was getting this incredible access to, to Bannon. So there are some uh, statements uh, in terms of investigations. I think that one is, is attributed to, to CNN that was wrong. But 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 for the most part, though, as a journalist, what you're always hoping with a book is that you're going to read things on the record that you've always been hearing whispered about or off the record that people talk about at the bar or over dinner. And the book has a lot of that. It's always been talked from the get-go among people, even senior officials in the Trump administration, about their frustrations dealing with a president who does not like details, who doesn't seem to remember information very well, who deals much more in sort of personalities and emotions and who believes so much in his own certainty and certitude about about the fa about his own facts and that sort of comes through except there are names with a lot of these quotes and we heard today from rex tillerson who talked to our very own elise labbit here at cnn here is what he had to say about some of the criticisms in the book I've never questioned his mental fitness. I have no reason to question his mental fitness. How I make decisions, how I process information, I have, I have to learn how he takes information in, processes it, and makes decisions. And that's my responsibility. I'm here to serve his presidency. Joe, I want to go to you on this. That is one of the most you know, memorable claims that this book makes, right? That it questions his mental competence, yeah. his mental fitness, and says that apparently everyone around him is well, doing the same thing. Well, that's the most bizarre part, is, is this uh, author, Michael Wolff, was just on MB MS uh, NBC telling people that every single person around the president believes he is unfit for office. I don't think you could say that with a straight face and, and have an audience believe that you're telling the truth. I, I mean, I, I know Rich is, is well-read, and I would challenge you to tell me what other nonfiction book have you read or anyone else has read where in the first couple of pages there's a disclaimer saying that this is basically how I believe these events to have unfolded. That's bizarre. You said the book was eye-opening. I would say it's eye-rolling. Uh, as someone who has spent a length lengthy periods of time around the table with President Trump, I found him very, you know, cogent and, and, and uh, on point and policy wonky on some obscure things that you wouldn't expect. Is he in character? Yes, he is in the character of Donald Trump at all times, probably. But uh, the, the stuff that, that's being said about him, I think, is bizarre in this book. But Joe, does, if you're, does it bother you, Joe? Because it bothered me is that, that, to your point, the books that Bob Woodward has written on past presidencies, that David Marinus wrote on past presidencies, they were about... They were about policy debates, about intellectual debates within the White House. And here you have sort of the first sort of big this sort of tell-all book. And it's, and it's going to questioning sort of the president's judgment and honesty and, and sort of the basics. And it seems so unsettling on that, that, respect, that he's not interested in policy. On that respect, I say it's brilliant because this book is on the table of every single news desk around the country today being talked about. I'm going to get Jake in. Jake, if you're the White House, what are you worst, most worried about in terms of this book? I, I mean, I, I think... Depending on how much of it is true and, and depending on who talked and who didn't, I think you're worried about people like, I mean, Steve Bannon hasn't denied a word of it. Uh, and he's still out there, you know, now sort of walking his way back and saying the president's a great man, but it's not denying anything he said. And by the way, if, if, uh, 
if you are in character all the time, that is just who you are. <laughs> we're, we're, okay, we're going to have to leave it there. Fellas, Joe, Jake, Patrick, and Rich, thank you for being here with Good us job. today. This is day 351 of President Trump's administration. That's the State of America tonight. Check out our podcast. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or use your favorite app. We'll see you right back here next week. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.